Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are delighted to have partnered with NordVPN again for this season. We partnered with them last year and they are, of course, a supporter of Rangers FC as an official sponsor there. And best of all, we can give you an exclusive NordVPN deal. If you go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand, you will get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and one additional month for free, completely risk-free. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee with Nord. And look, I use this product. I would highly recommend it. I used to work in web, so I know how easy it is to steal people's data, especially if you're using a, a, a Wi-Fi system that, that is a shared one or you're using uh, 4 or 5G, then your details can be out there. With NordVPN, they're absolutely not. And there are other advantages to it as well. Um, you can watch sporting events that maybe aren't being shown in your region. Um, you can purchase flights from different virtual locations, and they do make your flights cheaper. This is very, very useful. What a price is in the UK isn't the same as what a price is in America or a price is on the continent. Um, NordVPN can save you money. Um, you can buy purchasing subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price uh, and you protect your data while travelling and using public Wi-Fi. I keep coming back to that. Anyone who's at the hassle of a cancelled card will know what I'm talking about. So all you need to do is go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand and you'll get a huge discount off your plan and one month additional free completely risk-free I urge you to do it everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar. I am your host as always and after the madness of a World Cup in December, whoever came up with such an idea, proper football returned on Thursday and now it is the only show in town. Joining me to discuss the return of, of course, the mighty Glasgow Rangers is first of all Andy McGowan. Hello David, hello folks. Glad to be back for some proper football. And spreading some seasonal cheer is none other than Cameron Bell. Hello, David. Hello, Andy. Uh, hello, listeners. Uh, pleasure to be on and back on talking about the real football, as Andy says. Yeah, because it's been a few days since uh, the Hibs match, this uh, probably a bit of a shorter show. We won't go into it in as minute detail as we often do. But uh, first game back, and of course, first game for a new manager. Uh, the The break really was notable for Rangers making the change with, of course, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst leaving and Michael Beale returning, although this time in the top job. And he'd spoken very well. He's unveiling in his early interviews. And I think he had restored a lot of the enthusiasm that had dripped away under the, the kind of dying days of the Van Bronckhorst regime. Uh, there's, there's, regardless whether you think it was the right move, the wrong move, whether it was a bit unfair. And by the way, I think you can think that it was the right move, even though it probably was a little bit unfair um, when you look at Van Bronckhorst's overall record, but the direction of travel was not good. And then, Andy, I got to the stadium, I saw the team, and I realised, ah, for all that good talk, still the same bunch of players. 
Aye, and I think anybody that's seen the team sheet, it was a stark reminder of the injuries that we have because the centre half position, once you'd worked to who was playing where you're at, we're getting in here with John Lundstrom at centre half, and they harm to John Lundstrom, but um, he's, not, he's not a centre half, I think that's fair to say. Um, so, you know, anything can happen under these circumstances, and, um, you know, Hibs are. Hibs are poor. Hibs have been really poor this year and, and that two each draw each road is the one that really irks me this season, part of the SLD game, obviously, but you wondered, you know, Nisbet back, uh, cold night, we, we, we've got a new manager, you don't know what to expect, all the players respond, but that was my worry again. It's the same players, but it's the same injuries and, it, and it's it's quite horrendous when we actually sit down and analyse it. Yeah, I, look... Centre half, Cammy, turns out quite important. And we did all fear, you know, when we saw that two midfielders at centre half. Uh, I, I tweeted before it, set pieces, because it's not like we're a great team defensively at set pieces anyway, when everybody is fit. So I, I did have concerns, to say the least, and I certainly wasn't alone. And of course, it, it only took six minutes. The most simple goal, a decent delivery, no more than that. But when you're going to leave the big six foot four guy alone, six yards for your goal, then there's a fair chance he's going to head the ball home, which is exactly what happened. And see if we're being honest, in that first half, uh, every time Hibs came forward, I was worried. And so I think we're the players and it spread to the fans because it was just simple things. Nisbet, who I think is a good player, was his first game back, but he takes up positions that a centre-back automatically goes and covers. Lundstrom doesn't go and cover that. Sands mainly does but occasionally because he's again not playing in his his usual position and they exposed us if we're being honest four or five times in that first half a better team could have been uh well in the lead by half time well yeah and it's interesting david because um i was speaking to obviously being through in the uh through in west Lothian, there's uh there's a number of my you know friends and colleagues and stuff as well through here who are Hibs fans and they did not fancy uh you know the uh, the game on Thursday, and they thought, well, we'll just see what happens. And I think quite a number of them are not happy with what's happening in the dugout at the moment. And Hibs have put themselves into a position where they sacked Jack Ross, maybe could have given him more time. They get rid of Maloney, maybe could have given him more time, and they feel like they're backed into a corner. So we're only really talking about mid-December, and I think a lot of the Hibs fans already feel like there's really there's nothing to lose, so they may as well have a go at it. And I, I think that that was the attitude that they came out with. And as you rightly say, um, we were a bit slow in, 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 in coming out to a shot that McGregor made a good save for, but I think we were slow to close him down. I think it was Tavernier that was supposed to get out and shut down the hips play. We conceded a corner, and I'm not going to blame Michael Beale and his, his new staff coming in for the fact that we've conceded from a corner because it's been the same old story, and as you rightly said at the top of the show, it's the same old players. But um, you're right, everybody was worried, I think. I think everyone was worried, but I think everyone was a bit kind of down because I think the build-up to it was that was we would have got the we would have got the bounce from from yeah. Beal coming in. We'd heard a lot of his dialogue, liked a lot of his dialogue, and that you know the players could have been galvanised by that. But I'm not going to blame them for the fact that I do think that there was a reaction. We obviously will talk about that shortly, but I also feel that there's definite work to be done here. And the first thing that starts with that is you know it's defending set pieces should be relatively straightforward, but we're in the position now where it's like we concede them and it's difficult to score from them. And I just that that is one of the areas I know even in today's press conference Bill has said needs work, but it, it it wasn't a surprise to anyone. And I just think it just it just smacked to the same old story. But fortunately we got a much different ending. 
Yeah, it's it's this age old debate, Andy, which kind of bores me. Which is, oh, we should not do zone, or we should do my marking. Rangers, like ninety nine percent of all professional teams, do a mixture of both. Right, all teams do this now, where you have three guys or two guys, whatever you want to go with, marking the spaces. Then you've got guys whose job it is to to pick up men, and then you've got other guys whose job it is to be blockers. The problem with Rangers defensively this season, we've seen it time after time, is Usually when we concede a goal, four or five of them don't do their job properly. For sure. And it was a criticism that I'd, I'd mentioned on our Patreon site uh, in, the, in the post-match about it needed a leader in there. Now, I'm going to forgive the lineup and the manager because we know that Leon King, as the manager said afterwards, was unavailable on the day. So there was a little bit of patchwork that had to be done within that defence. But if in the short term, if in the next kind of run of games, I know Conor Goldson is due to be coming back, but he will need time to come back from pretty much the longest time he's ever been out with us. But it needed someone to step into that role and tell them what the what areas were, who they were marking, what they were doing. And that's something which concerned me a little bit in terms of just the general leadership within that space. And it, and it had to be clearer, but it's 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 nothing new, David, like you say, we've, we've, we've seen that before. Um and I think that there's a point to that where hopefully that's something that Beal can talk about because we know that Gerard relied on his lieutenants. So Beal, having worked with that firsthand, can also know who he can trust in there, albeit some of them are missing at the moment. But we need to be able to try and get that into a clearer organisation for what we're doing. No, I totally agree. And uh, Rangers did drag ourselves back into it. A wonderful goal from Fashion Sakala, who again wasn't due to play a, a very late injury uh, the day before in training to Antonio Chola at real time. Interesting that the manager said that Cholak and Morelos would both have played. Um, Sakala, I thought, took his chance. Uh, he obviously got a goal and a very good finish it was too, right back across the goalkeeper after working a wee bit of space for himself. And then we did, I, oh my goodness, of all the things in football that wind up football fans, uh, I think this is going to be very close to the top of the list. You score, you've got the momentum. The stadium was buzzing, freezing cold night, and you could you could actually see the roar when the goal went in from all the all the breath being emitted at the same time. And I hadn't even finished putting the, the obviously we were reporting from the game. I hadn't even finished putting the tweet up. I looked up, saw Nisbet streaking past Lundstrom, and it was it was two one. Look, yeah, there is a deflection in there, but we have switched off totally. You can't do that. You just cannot ever, at any level of football, be done inside a kickoff and a couple of passes. Deflating wasn't it the word. I mean, oh. when that when that when him scored their first goal, I don't think. Well, I certainly wasn't panicking. I was thinking, well, this is this is a laugh, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah. you think you can come it was back? A long for, time to go uh, it's, 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 to go. Exactly. And, you're, and you, you do have enough confidence in their attacking uh, players to think that this poor Hibs team would be put to sword at some point. But you've then still got to go and do it. And a word on Sakala. Now, I've been quite supportive of, Sik- of Sakala for day one because um, he's no Marco van Basten, but you know he plays with a vigour and enthusiasm. And I kinda, I've, I've described it as an empty head mentality, which, you know, it doesn't seem, his head doesn't seem to go down, he sticks at it, he'll keep going past players or trying to go past. And I thought it, that was a fantastic finish, I've got to say. I thought it was exactly the kind of goal that you, you're hoping for for a wide striker. And I, I think he's got a part to play. 
particularly if he's playing closer to the central striker like he was on um, Thursday under Beal. So um, I, I thought that was it was a really good sign. And you and you think you know you breathe a sigh of relief and you think right, we'll go on now and we'll win this game. And I, I'm the same as you, Dave. I was too busy blathering. There's people running about me, and I thought I, look, I looked up, and the next thing, it's Nisbet in the box. And it looked like a horrendous goal, um, just for a goal perspective. Right now, I mean the timing of it. I think it wasn't. It was. It was very unlucky with that deflection, right? When you see it from behind the goal, but you're absolutely correct to switch off at that point after you've just get yourself back even. Is it's pretty criminal. It points to. You know, mentality and and resilience, and uh, you know somebody on the park galvanising everybody and doing the proverbial tap of the, the heat and saying let's concentrate yeah. here. Um, it, it points to a wee bit of softness in the team. So uh, even to go back to what we're talking about there in the set pieces, set pieces for me, whether it's at this level or Sunday morning in the park, the pals, it's about delivery and desire. And I think your team, your squad, actually is just. The balance is tipped a wee bit for what I would call a Rangers. Uh, I'm, t- I'm trying to say is through the team, there's certain characters that when they're not in the team, we miss them so badly, not only from a footballing point of view, but a mentality point of view. Goldson's the, the obvious one, right? But when you go through that team, Sands, I wouldn't put in that kind of category, you know, where, where mentality would be a strong point. Tav at times, you know, I know that sounds kind of cyclic after what he's been through in his Rangers career, but the corner kick again, he's, he's kind of caught um, under the ball. Kamara and Jack, I think, are the two kind of leaders you're looking at there on, on the part. And Kamara, I don't think it's his style. So there's a wider issue there that that goal, maybe I'm overplaying it, maybe I'm overthinking it, but that goal points to a soft underbelly that um, we're going to have to rectify. Uh, and it's not quite an easy thing to rectify min- mindsets in a, in a short space of time. Alan McGregor's made a crucial save in that uh, first half when, again, just a simple through ball, Rangers positionally not in the right space and uh, Hibs taking advantage, but he makes the save and it goes in at half-time 2-1. Now, Michael Beale afterwards, Cammy, said a very interesting thing in the press conference to us where he said that he felt maybe he'd pumped the team up a bit too much before the game and maybe was he'd given them a wee bit too emotion and that they went out there you know, ready to run through brick walls and, and that's good, but they didn't have any clue what direction they were running really, you know, it was just a hundred miles an hour, no control, no care, and at half time he, he almost sort of calmed them down a wee bit and said, right, okay, let's focus on doing this, this and the other. Quite an interesting thing, a, an admission from the manager that maybe he got it wrong. Um, now, it's easy to do when you've turned it round, but uh, it was an interesting insight, I felt. Yeah, and I think, you know, from from the manager's press conferences already, from the interviews that he's done, and obviously the conversations that I know that he's had uh, with the guys and the pressers and stuff, it's it's been it's been interesting to see how open he's been. Like, he has, you know, shared some stuff, which I think under previous managers, certainly under his, his own previous manager at Rangers, he probably... You know, wouldn't have shared, and Bill doesn't seem to want to go in that direction. I think he does want to be able to to, to lay his cards on the table. And listen, that's that's all well and good. I actually was quite relieved, I suppose, to hear that, David, because one thing that we we obviously did lay at Gerard's door was sometimes he'll get them fit for the battle, but sometimes you need to outthink somebody rather than outfight them. And I think that that would be interesting to see as to how Michael Beale looks to be able to try and do that. Um, 
you know, and again, as you say, I mean, I think Andy mentioned that earlier on. I didn't feel, let's face it, obviously the second goal for Hibs was a complete sucker punch. I'm not saying it wasn't a deserved goal. We, as you guys have rightly described, were, were, were not set. That's unacceptable. But even at 2-1 down, um, I didn't feel, you know, the game was over. I still felt that we would create plenty of chances. But let's face it, we had to win the second half. We had to come out and be the better team in the second half. We weren't in the first half. And I think for the manager to talk about that afterwards, is, as I say, is quite interesting. But it, it's a lesson for him. And that's something that we need to remember as well, that he is now the guy in charge. It's fine that we had the previous relationship with him, but it wasn't under this dynamic and it wasn't under the position that he holds now. So he's going to have to find his balance within that as well. And I think the most pleasing thing to that was the players listened to him. There was, you know, a clear uh, increase in, in standard in terms of what we were playing and how we were taking care of the ball in the second half. Uh, and so if that's going to work for him, fantastic. But there was so many times that we saw Gerard thinking that he was going to, you know, give them the rock up the arse and stuff. It was it can't always work like that. So if he can if he can use that as part of his his, his tools, brilliant because he'll know when and where to use it and when not to. Yeah, and the second half, Andy, to be fair, was a much improved performance. Um, firstly, Hibbs didn't we had changed some things. Jack was dropping in deeper when we didn't have the ball and making a three, and we did look more secure. Uh, there was less space for Hibbs to operate in. And uh, to be honest, I can't remember Alan McGregor making a save second half. It was all Rangers and we got the, the rewards that we were due. Firstly, um, a goal from a set piece. Now, we got one against Leverkusen in the friendly earlier as well that week. Now, obviously, we don't pay a lot of attention to the friendlies, but it was uh, a good old-fashioned Rangers set piece with Tillman in the Joe Aribo role. Good ball into near post. He won it, nodded it down, and there was Ryan Jack in uh, to finish it. We have been, I think, a little bit. I mean, obviously, I think it, it, it really burst into the open. It was a grumble among Rangers fans anyway, but that St. Johnston game where I think we set a world record for corners without ever looking dangerous from. And again, you, you know, you've got to make the most of what your players are. Tillman is a very good offensive header of the ball. He probably should be the target. And everyone, if they're alive in the box, so that gives you the opportunity. I, I, I mean, I've, I've seen in previous pods that... Um... When, when things only go on for you, so you're, you're no clicking or you've got players out or, you know, you're just no firing no cylinders, you've got to have this in your armory if you're going to be anywhere close to winning the title um, or qualifying for, for, for big things. Um, and you're right, that St. Johnson game was, it was proof positive that there was something badly, badly wrong in terms of what we were doing there because you can't have them that many corner kicks and have Absolutely bugger all comfy. I mean, there was there was very little actually get, went close. It was just a case of get it in the box and, you know, see who can, can win a ball as opposed to something with a bit of design on it. So it was, I mean, this goes out a hole, you know. I think we're going to still win that half, but um, it was a, a great move. It, it shows that it doesn't need to be some kind of super complex, you run here, we run there, and you dummy this. And it just needs to be good delivery and people knowing what they're doing and having the ability to do it and the desire to do it. But Tillman was badly at fault, I thought, for the first the, the goal we lost, right? Because he's he's in there and I think he's been used as somebody that's got a bit of a leap. But attacking-wise, he's certainly been potent with this, this season. Um, you think back to the USG, wasn't it? It was, yeah. it was so high in the air. So it was a really good move and it was good to see Jack, who I'm highly critical of in the final third, actually you know, make, make the difference and get it over the, the line. So I hope this becomes a feature. And when I say a feature, I mean we regularly 
uh, win games or call ourselves back into games or put games to bed using set pieces because we get that many of them. It's only natural that we're going to get opportunities to do that. So it would be criminal for us not to, um, not to take advantage. But again, I go back to the makeup of the squad. We've no got um, as much power as I think we had in the 55 season, for example, or across the squad. Um, because particularly centre half, I don't see Sands as the, the, the type of centre half that's going to contribute in this area. Leon King to degrees still a wee bit um, soft in that area, attacking wise. You're, you're missing Hellander, obviously. You're missing Golson. I don't really know about Ben Davis if he's going to be an attacking threat uh, in the opposition box. So I hope it's something that Bill's working on because it'll yeah, be very, very useful. Well, we do have uh, now, he, he did mention that uh, yeah. one of the coaches, uh, Watling, is, yeah. is a set piece guy. And, and I think that, you know, you we can only go on what we see. And up to this point in the season, I think both offensively and defensively, Rangers at set pieces have been very, very poor this season. So, you know, that that was a bit bittersweet the other night. You know, we, we saw the worst of it with the first goal for Hibs, but we saw the best of it there for, for Rangers equaliser. And then, Cammy, when we did get the winner, or what proved to be the winner, what a goal. Great move. Lovely ball from James Tavernier. And then an absolutely wonderful bit of skill from Malik Tillman, where... The turn at the chop inside is good, but it's then the touch to stop it. A lot of players wouldn't have done that. It would have ran across their body and he would have had to swipe at it with his wrong foot. He controls it and then slips it back in perfectly. It's a tap-in for Alfie. Although, again, although it's a tap-in for Alfie, if you actually watch, he does well as well because he stops his run there. He doesn't run right into the line where the defenders are going. He stops and that gives him the half a yard to have the tap-in. What I loved about this goal, and I think it did sum up our second half play, the passing maybe wasn't always accurate, but they were trying a hell of a lot more to touch. Just get it and go, get it and go. All the time. They were playing triangles. They were playing with each other in little tight spaces, which sounds very rude, but isn't. Um, but was actually, well, rude things are often fun to see. That that was fun to see. But it was just an attitude thing. It was, we're going to move this team about and that, I think, has lacked in our play so, so often this season. Uh, that second goal was deserved. Uh, third goal, sorry, was deserved. It was a, an absolute peach of a goal. But for me, it was redolent and representative of the, the, the desire and the intent that the side had. And the skill. And I think that that's the most important thing for me, David, is that, you know, we, we get to that stage and obviously the stadium... Are, are looking for it. We've been able to only a few short minutes beforehand get the equaliser. And to a certain extent, this was probably other sucker punch back to Hibs because they had to regroup and yet we didn't give them time to be able to do so. And I think that's maybe something that we need to think about as well because at this point, Hibs are now in a bit of a fluster and we, we've we've taken advantage of that mm-hmm. through some excellent, skillful plays. You see the build-up was excellent. Ball gets to, to Tillman. And I think... So I've been, I, I was quite critical of him during the game up to this point because... He causes me a degree of frustration. And by that, what I mean is, physically, I think he should do a wee bit better. I think, you know, he goes down a little bit too much. He does that thing that I'm really not a fan of, which is, as soon as he goes down, the first look is towards the referee. And there's going to be parts of this where he just needs to probably get up and and move on with it. And then you see this brilliant piece of skill. Is that, Um, sorry to interrupt, but is that a cultural thing? This is a guy who's who's been raised footballing-wise in Germany. And overly, anyone who watches Bunda, I mean... We talk about certain countries having a reputation for diving. It is an endemic part of German football. 
well, possibly. I mean, maybe that's across the continent and stuff, because Germany's certainly the only country that obviously has players. That no, no, and, and look, a lot of modern players do it, exactly. you know, even in our league. But I just mean that in the way that we perhaps frown on that culturally as, as supporters in this country, that isn't the case in other leagues, and particularly the one he's grown up in. Very possibly, but then at the same point, I don't think that's an excuse when you're the size he is, and when because he does have strength, right? He, he does hold players off the ball, and I think that there may be value to be able to try and I'd say go down willingly, but you know what I mean by that when you've seen players do it, but in the box where I've seen Tillman do it is nowhere near the opposition penalty area. He's doing it, you know, in the midfield, he's doing it, with, and it's just him having to adjust to the, the more physical side of the Scottish game. The thing that I really enjoyed about this was. This was pure skill. It was composure. It was, you know, taking your time to be able to to do the, the movements that you talked about. I mean, to, to laymen like us, obviously it all happens so quickly in real time. But these guys are four or five steps ahead of us with our footballing brain. So you're absolutely right. He takes the wee touch inside. I actually think at that point when he took it, you know, I've seen players in our team just lash at it. I think Alfie mm. lashes at it, for example. It's not a criticism, but it, it just complements the fact that he chose not to do that. He takes the takes the touch, looks up, and, and I can I can echo what you said more. It is a, a a skill of Alfie's to stand and hold your ground. We've seen him score goals like this, Motherwell, for example, where sometimes he, you know other players would rush. Alfie just sits and holds because he knows that if he can get that space, all he needs to do is score a tap in, which again doesn't give him the credit for the positioning, but it it, it makes it look so simple. Yeah, so it yeah, does. I, it is a skill goal, because when everyone's rushing. Right, yep. and you know you're you're breaking your neck to get into the box to then just go and I'll just stop here and yep. create totally myself fucked. a yard. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for a breather. That's what I used to do. Does that mean me a great seeker because we're blown at my ass, but they were good there. <laughs> no, but I used to do it, and I was really good up until you know drinking other things ruined, ruined my chances. Was uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, 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 there are parallels. Um, but uh, no, it is. It's really good striking play. It's just buying yourself a wee bit of space in a crowded box, especially in Scotland, where they're already done it. Remember against Hearts last year? Very mm-hmm. similar. And I think it was uh, Aribo actually that teed them up. Uh, Andy, on Malik Tillman, you know, Cammy's right there when he mentions the word, uh, and I've used it and I've heard it from a lot of fans as well frustrating and it's because we know how much talent that he has against that there is the balance of he is 19 right he is very much a kid playing his his, you know first year of of full-time professional football in a very demanding league um it's not like he doesn't contribute that's the thing it's not it's maybe we are kind of i i see a lot of parallels with aribo actually because yeah. i think we forget that aribo was like this at the start where there were moments and you knew he was a good player but he had to develop and grow and i think we've got to be patient with tillman because the ability cammy mentioned it there the skill it's there here's a guy who can win you football matches nah you're, you're spot on i mean the thing with tillman is that uh you compare him to Aribo. Aribo had how many years doing in a fairly competitive, tough league in the championship, you know, the championship, the league, league win with Charlton, you know. So he came up here and it still took him time uh, to really flourish. And he was playing in a team, a Rangers team, that wasn't under the course that we are just now in terms of pressure results and, and injuries and stuff like that. So I wouldn't underestimate the pressure that's on Malik Tillman because what happened the other night was that we, we, when Tillman came alive, Rangers came alive 
And in the space of 20 minutes or so, him getting his arse in gear, we'd, we'd win that game. Yeah. But at half time, if somebody said to me, I were taking Tillman off that, I'd probably say that good. Because he's a victim of the responsibility he has, and it's inescapable, unfortunately. So when you are a number 10, and I know Bill likes to play with a couple and you keep drinking Kent as well and all that kind of stuff, but when you're in that position where you've got a responsibility to, to create and hurt teams for Rangers, unfortunately, it's unforgiven because me, you, Cammy, the rest of the Rangers support are not going to sit there and say, well, he's 19, you know. No, if, we're if, not. If, if, it, if, it, if it doesn't happen from this game, then understand why. No, it's not going to happen, but there's no question in my mind that we have to sign this boy, right? And I know that there's some kind of conjecture about if it's five million or whatever. This boy is, he's, he's, he can do whatever he wants in the game if he develops the areas it needs to develop, which is mentality, strength, uh, and consistency, which is absolutely normal for a boy at 19 playing in that position. Hadji is the same, you know? And I think if we sign him, then he'll flourish, but I think we're going to have to persevere with him on occasions. Because you go back to the middle game, he was absolutely honking that first half. And then he does a world-class piece of skill to, you know, explode the game for us and, and, and literally win it for us. He's a match winner when he does it. He needs to he needs to tap into whatever that was he tapped into in the second half. And um, uh, it reminds me a wee bit of the situation at Arteta. You know, Arteta came for, for Barcelona, not quite good enough for them, but good enough for us. But I had to adapt to the Scottish game. But you can see the class... Um, all the time, you know, he, the way he moves with the ball, and, and as you say, David, that, that chop inside, it looks easy and it looks simple. Half it's not, because you've got to have the awareness to know who's around about you. He does it all the time. I think if we get this boy um, cooking with gas, it'll be sensational for us. Um, I, I think he will be, be a better team once the Rangers team around about him gets better. And what I mean by that is return injuries and return of senior players that will be able to talk him through games. And uh, maybe just take that wee bit of expectation over. There's also just just Sorry, to, just to tack on to that because I couldn't agree with Andy Moore. But the thing I would also add on to the back of that, what impressed me previously about Tillman was his work rate. And I mean, hunting down, trying to get the ball back, getting the ball back off of players without giving away like needless fouls. He can do a lot of work off the ball as well. And I agree with Andy. I would buy him. Um, I think the price has to be right for all parties concerned, but what we're doing here is that we're probably buying someone that we can see develop into it. Because um, I, I, I was really, really pleased with what I saw from him in the early stages about going down, chasing down players, chasing down potentially lost causes, but he was doing it regardless. And so there's definitely a good degree of athleticism and desire in there as well. So I think the question, and probably to, 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 to complement Andy's point as well, is do we feel that we can coach him into those next steps and to, and to improve that even further? I would say, based on what I, I you know, I know of Michael Beale, based on what I know of the, the guys he's brought in, which albeit is pretty limited, I definitely think it's worth a shot. So yeah, hundred percent, I would go for I, it. I, I actually think he plays a front as a striker on the front too. So basically, we run Brockhurst. He was a victim of that formation because we we're playing him out in the right. And if you remember him against Liverpool, he was chasing shadows, and he's, you know, he's fairly ineffective. But I think the way we are, we look like we're going to be playing more often in the real where we're, we're going to have two strikers closer together, if you like. Um, I think that could be right down the street because he's got pace. He has got pace. And if we're playing counter-press, then, then that'll be something that we'll have used to, to maximum effect. Rather interestingly, Michael Beale said he wants some playing between, was he put at the 18-yard box? You know, mm-hmm. like, between the space, of the, 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 the width of the 18-yard box, not out in wings, you know, not out there, but in the centre where he can hurt teams. 
Uh, and more license, of course, is given to the, the number 10s with him and Kent the other night under, under Michael Beale. So three points, um, you know, all their problems weren't, <laughs> clearly weren't solved overnight, Michael Beale said. There's still a long way to go to get to where I want us to be. We head up the road to Pitodre, uh, on Tuesday night, uh, the rearranged fixture from when the Queen passed. And uh, it's an Aberdeen team. We've been in the end of a lot of criticism uh, after the weekend, Andy, when they set up just an incredibly defensive formation, tried to, didn't attack Celtic, didn't want the ball, tried to hold out and got beat by a late goal. I don't imagine they'll be using those tactics against us. I'm not so sure, David, because um, they were incredibly open against us at Ibrooks. And, and to the point where I'm like, ah, what, what are they doing? They were naively open. Uh, I think they played three at the back, but I was just, I'd never seen so much space at Ibrooks um, for, a, for a, a good long time, and we took advantage of it at a time when we were struggling badly. So I don't know if they will come out. I know that their fans and the likes of Willie Muller and everybody are demanding that at home they should be coming out and, and making a game yet. I hope they do, because I think as Bill said at his press conference today, if they do, then that will suit us. Whereas if they set up and look to frustrate like they did on Sunday or Saturday against Celtic, then I think that, that causes us more problems than if they attack us. So um, we'll see what happens. They're actually, if you've ever seen Aberdeen this year, they've got more firepower than they've had for a wee while. Um, the boy up front whose name escapes me, creation guy or whatever. Miofsky. Miofsky, that's why you're the boss, David. He, is, um, <laughs> he, he, he looks as if he's a decent player. Um and, and when they've clicked, they've, they've looked pretty good. But they're in a kind of stick-or-twist situation now because I think Goodwin's instincts would be to sit in against us again and, and do similar. But, you know, their, their home crowd might demand otherwise. And I, I really hope they do because we need space in behind up there. It's always a tough game no matter how piss poor they are. Cammy? Yeah, listen, that's, I mean, it is because I still believe what Richard Goff said so many years ago is totally true. Aberdeen play four times a year. Um I, I, I don't. I, I thought that they held out well against Celtic. I caught bits and bobs of that game, and I thought it did look like they were trying to achieve something, which again we can't really say is too true of Aberdeen teams in the past. But listen, it's it's a few days before Christmas. The weather conditions will probably be crap. Um, we are still in recovery mode and bringing players back from from you know fairly long term injuries. It, it, it's going to be a difficult game. There's no two ways around it. Um, and I think that Aberdeen will, will have nothing to lose. They, they, they'll feel frustrated they didn't get something out of the Celtic game, having conceded so late on. So, you know, I think if they needed any additional motivation against us, it's probably the fact that we need to start getting something out of teams from Glasgow. So, yeah, um, for us, it's a big test. And, and I would argue probably our biggest test before the whole fun game. So it's over to the players to be able to try and see how much they want to be able to uh, to put on a display and a performance that, frankly, I think that, that, that we require. It's a big, big test for, for, again, Tillman, but also Young Divine. And that then extends the test to the, the more senior players to actually, you know, make their mark and make up for whatever tests and tribulations the younger player are going to go. And when, I, and when I'm looking at like the team sheet, you know, like Seth Sands is playing and he's he's now going to graduate to become a senior player with Rangers now. He's no longer somebody that's bedding in or a young player. He's... And the harsh rules of, of Rangers are that he's now he's been here long enough to know the rules of the road. So um, there's going to be, need to be big performances also with the team. No, I totally agree with that. And we will need it because they will come out and have a go. And especially early on, they're going to attack 
what they perceive to be our weak areas. Um, they're going to have a go at us defensively. We need to have controllers. You know, the vast majority of that team have been up there. They know the script. They know what they're going to face. There's no surprises there for them. The manager knows that. It's just about putting the performance in because if they put the performance in, they'll get the result. It really is that simple. And we need our big players to deliver for us. Right then, folks, that will do us for this episode of Heart and Hand. Remember, you can get more content, daily content, loads of content for just $1.99 per month. And you can buy an annual gift for a loved one as well. Give them the gift of me and the team every single day. I, I personally can't think of anything better than that, frankly. If you go to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand, I'd just like to thank our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers, and my splendid guest, first of all, Cammy Bell. A pleasure as always, David. Thank you. And Andy McGowan. My pleasure, David. I, I won't admit to you, like my wife used my password, but then I might Disgrace. buy her that gift. Disgusting, disgusting. She listens to everything, as you know, and yeah. but she doesn't comment. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, actually, I want my wife commenting. Well, she talks more sense than you, so I would maybe, yeah. And uh, no, I, quite frankly, you'll take money out of the, the mouth of my kids' pockets <laughs> or something. Um, Your dogs. Well, if it wasn't for the fact, Andy, the very lucky fact um, that my children haven't been born, then. You know, that I know of anyway, that anyone can prove. Anyway, thank you for listening, folks. Uh, if I don't speak to you on here, because I think it's Adam on extra later in the week with the Aberdeen game, I'll be back next week. And uh, I'd like to wish you all a very splendid Merry Christmas. To paraphrase Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas is six points. Thanks very much for listening, folks. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye bye. <laughs> Podcast Network.